All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Drop Shot Podcast here. Uh, we're excited to be back here. I know it's been a little bit, uh, a little while since we have been on. Um, obviously, life gets in the way sometimes, and um, that's kind of what happened. But ultimately, we're really focused on making sure we get good content for you guys. And we feel really excited about um, the conversation we just had, which we're excited to, to jump right into. Um, to kind of tee it up, we got to have a conversation with Felipe Costa, who's a UGA tennis player. Um, you've probably, if you've been on Instagram or TikTok, have probably seen his reels. It's the Costa Tennis Academy. He does a really good job, really short clips on how to improve your game, uh, more so from a foundational perspective. He's a college student, but he's really, really well-spoken. We had an amazing conversation with him, and we're excited to bring that to you today. Um, just to kind of give you a little bit of context on how we even got involved there, John actually had an injury, a tennis injury, a little over a year ago maybe now, and uh, was rehabbing and thought he might reach out on Instagram uh, over to Felipe, and he responded right away and gave him some tips. And so they kind of had a connection from that, and then once we kicked off this podcast, he thought, you know, why not shoot our shot and see what we see if we could get him on the pod. And he was uh, gracious enough to to have us up, not even just a Zoom call, but he got us connected with UGA and um, their team. And basically they had us up for an entire day. We drove up to Athens and gave us a tour of the facilities and got to have a have a conversation actually in one of the I'll let John I don't want to steal the thunder but I'll let John explain kind of where we got to do the conversation but afterwards got a whole tour of the, of the facility it's the first time John and I have actually been referred to as media which was a new thing for for us <laughs> yeah. um, it definitely don't feel like we're we're in that category whatsoever but um, technically that's what we were and there were some recruits in the building and so we had to make sure and steer clear of them to make sure we weren't crossing over any lines or any guidelines there but um yeah we're obviously had an, an amazing time with felipe and excited to bring you the conversation a little bit more on felipe i'd love for john to kind of share how um, any more context on how you got connected and then also um, maybe some some of his accolades before we jump in to get people up to speed on who he is yeah so when we arrived at, at the interview we got to um walk through the butts mirror building um it's actually under construction yeah uh took took a few cool pictures there um we um ryan who's on the uh um he's a uh, grad assistant there who helped kind of coordinate this interview big shout out to ryan yeah yeah Huge he, help. he was great uh we um went downstairs we we're about to interview and somebody was using the office and um they actually moved us into the legendary claude felton's office he actually just retired the week before and guys claude felton if you're a georgia fan is it's like Larry Munson's stature. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the goat. So that was really cool. Um, and that's then, actually where the picture was. So the picture yeah, you see that we'll put out with this pod will, uh, it is actually in that office, which is pretty office, cool. Which is really cool. Um, when we got done, we got really lucky. Um, there was an event going on. So we had to kind of walk through, on uh, butts mirror to the, <laughs> uh, new, um, where the indoor practice facility is. So Chad and I got to walk with Ryan, um, in the, um, indoor practice earlier the football team plays and like that was like incredible being a huge Georgia fan turns out they have a full golf simulator full golf which is simulator. pretty cool they have an arcade couldn't take any pictures in there though um yeah no pictures uh yeah arcade and then you know full full, full uh cafeteria diner which was really cool and then uh we uh as we were kind of leaving there, they took gave us a tour of the um, tennis facility. Uh, we weren't allowed to walk on the courts because there was a recruit there. But um, we uh, they ended up 
letting us go up in the press box, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just uh, it was a really great day. Um, Georgia's a you know legendary tennis program. Of the coach is Manny Diaz is he's considered one of the best of all time. So it was just overall just kind of great day and honor to be up there and we had a great time yeah you could tell there was and felipe talks about this a little bit but you could tell that there's just this this aura or this history around the tennis program that the guys that were there that we talked to and interacted with you could tell that there was just a pride pride to be a part of of as felipe would call it to to play for the g yeah which i think he he it really means a lot and i'm learning now more so that even in the tennis world in general at other schools, like big schools like USC, Stanford, there's something different about UGA. And so it was cool to hear him talk about that and hear his passion around playing for a team. Usually, obviously, tennis is more of a an individual sport, but in college, it it can be a part of a team, which is it is cool to see that come out with him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he just, he just comes across as just a huge... He's not a me guy at all. He's a team guy. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he, um, Felipe is a redshirt sophomore at Georgia. Uh, he's a four-star recruit with a hundred wins during his junior career. Um, so pretty big deal. Uh, former blue chip recruit ranked as high as number four in his class nationally and number one in the state of Georgia. And that's according to tennisrecruiting.net. Um, he spent some time in England where he reached as high as number seven in the LTA junior rankings. And then he was also a finalist for both the singles and doubles on the tennis Europe circuit and a multiple time champion at USTA events. Um, he's Brazilian, um, really good kid. Um, Chad and I had a phenomenal time. Yeah, He was, uh, I, I have to share this. He was so well-spoken. Um, I actually, we actually told him both after that, we hope our uh, kids end up like yeah. him. He was very articulate, and uh, I think you guys will find this in the uh, in the interview. Yeah, definitely well read. You can tell he's uh, ahead of his time. Uh, I think honestly, and he may unpack this a little bit in the conversation, or I could kind of pick up on it a little bit. But I think I think he might even be a more impressive coach uh, than a player one day. I think he just understands the concepts of tennis and has a, a really articulate way of going about explaining it uh, in a more simple way he obviously nerds out a little bit <laughs> a couple times in the in the conversation uh which was was fun for us but um yeah i'm excited to to kind of jump into the conversation before we do so you know we're kind of kicking off the year here one major is already behind us if you can believe it we've got the australian open already in the books congrats to center for kind of what he went through and really honestly just dominated all the way up until the end and even had to persevere in the final match to to get it done obviously joker going down uh, alcaraz going down so quite a bit of drama in the the first open or excuse me first major of the year so we're excited to continue to see how that progresses over time this week tommy paul yeah my guy tommy paul tommy paul making it happen yeah he won he uh beat shelton in the semis in dallas and then uh one of uh, three sets against this against an american seems to Garan. I think it's Goran, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, good for Tommy Ball. Thomas yeah. Cooks, man. Yeah, a little bit more on Shelton. Uh, apparently, Felipe has a, a little bit of a story uh, with Shelton growing up playing against him. So um, excited to hear hear more about that. But yeah, obviously, we're going to probably do a couple more of these episodes. Got some exciting folks lined up. And then also, we're going to do a breakpoint deep dive. I think that's what a lot of people are are watching right now and getting caught up on season two of Breakpoint. There's a lot of cool storylines and um, some exciting stuff to talk about. So we're going to figure out how to how to download on that but 
doing what we can to try and continue to bring good content to you guys and um, obviously always talking about tennis and and everything else. I just saw actually um, that, was it Andy Roddick just signed a deal, a podcast deal with um, the Tennis Channel where once a week he's going to have his own show, a live pod on the Tennis Channel. That's pretty cool. Some big competition for us right now. <laughs> and I can't even... <laughs> Consider putting us in that same category, but a lot going on right now in the tennis world. Um, I, I hate to mention it, but also had the pickleball pickleball slam, the second pickleball slam with uh, um, who was it? We Agassi. had Agassi and McEnroe. Agassi and Steph Evers, or um, Sharapova and McEnroe. Yeah, but we had some tennis guys too. We had Blake and uh, Jack Sock on the team as well. Okay, yeah, that's that, that's that's all. Pickleball is all you if you watch. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, we can't ignore it, right? I mean, we're kind of at the place where we, we have to follow along because I think there's a lot of crossover these days. Felipe has his own, um, his own comments and his own impression on what pickleball is. Well, we don't want to spoil that either, but, um, yeah, well, let's, without further ado, let's go ahead and give you all this conversation with Felipe. So my full family is Brazilian mom, dad, I was born there. All my extended family is there, so I played soccer, obviously. Um, but no, so I grew up playing soccer until I was about eight years old. This is 2010. My dad had a work trip in New York, and this was end of end of August. And so we and so mom was like, you know what? Let's all go. You go work, and I'll go uh, party around town with the kids. And the U.S. Open is at the same time, and they knew this, and they played a little bit of tennis, but never got really into it. In fact, this is crazy. Uh, one of one of their my parents' tennis coaches in Brazil when they were like dating or newly married lives in Athens, from this little oh, town wow. in Brazil. So uh, crazy. I forgot what his name is, but he's around. He goes to all the matches too. Um, anyways, we go to New York. U.S. Opens at the same time. And so we we go for the day, and I I have no interest. I don't know what tennis is and whatnot. Uh, so you're how old at this time? I'm eight. Okay. Uh, immediately upon coming in, there's this guy Todd Martin is there, and uh, oh, yeah. right? American player, tall guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tall American player. And my dad is like, "Yo, what the heck?" I think he, you know, he knows a little bit of tennis. Never yeah. never really played much. So the first tennis player I ever meet is Todd Martin. Like literally, just at the door of of the US Open. I'm like, "Yo, what up, Todd Martin?" Uh, so I think I have a picture of them somewhere. He was pretty popular. He was like, he had some battles with Andre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, calm guy. Yeah. Um, we watched the day session and I have like zero interest. I don't, I don't really care what's going on. But Federer was playing night session. Oh, cool. And, uh, I don't know what Fed was. Well, my dad did. So we camped out outside of Arthur Ashe and we're asking everyone who's leaving. Hey, do you have night session tickets if you're leaving? Whatever. And these two women walk out. Yeah, we have night. 20 bucks. For each ticket, we pay each of them 20 and we sit up near the stands. Uh, sorry, near the in the bleachers, it a nice seating, whatever. And then the very top row of Arthur Ashe's bleachers. So we go all the way up in the bleachers, and I'm still uninterested. I have my DS, yeah, yeah, Nintendo DS. I'm just crushing whatever game. And 2010 U.S. Open second round, Fed versus Brian DeBool. And all of a sudden, I'm playing my DS, and the crowd starts going a little nuts. And so all I do is look up and Federer hits the tweener, which that year, I'm pretty sure ESPN said was the best shot of the year. It was Brian DeBool tweener. Boom. Uh, you can go search it up. I, I saw like the highlight reel in my mind, but I'm there 
And he hits that shot. I'm like, well, that was cool. And I start looking around and everyone's going nuts. Like, well, like, hold on. Maybe this thing is kind of cool huh. and people like it. So yeah. I put the DS down and I watched the rest of the match. And from there, I'm like, all right, yeah, tennis is the thing, right? This is, I want to I do what he did. So then I- That was I, the day you traded your Nintendo for tennis. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was uh, every single tennis lesson. Oh, we, there was this coach near our house. Uh, her name's Coach Suk. I'll give her a shout out. Uh, she's kind of who, uh, this is in Arizona. Okay. Um, out of Kiwanis Tennis Center. And <laughs> for to motivate me to do things, uh, she would be like, all right, if you if you practice 10 minutes of forehands, I'll give you five tweeners at the end of the lesson. That's all I want to do. The only thing I want to do is right. hit a tweener. We feel like tennis is kind of underserved or under, like, uh-huh. I just don't know why it's like this yeah, secret. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not obviously breakpoint is helping. I want to talk about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we felt like there's this like little sliver in tennis that a lot of people are interested in, and people only watch it four times a year when it's when it's on yeah. TV, which is yeah. another yeah. conversation about why it's not widely available on TV. But. Yeah, and here's my theory. Yeah, and it comes because of pickleball. Um, I'm which a huge. That's on the list too. So. Yeah, I hate pickleball. Oh my god, okay. yeah, I, I, I don't like it either. So. Uh, <laughs> I've always said pickleball is a cancer to America. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, and and here's what I'll say is people like watching tennis. Yeah. Uh, go to any pickleball tournament, look on TV. No one watches pickleball, at least for now. Maybe people could watch it in the future. But Australian Open just came on, and there was like this numbers thing on Instagram. It was like 350 million people, more than the whole population of the United States, watch the Australian Open. So then you think, all right. People love tennis. They like going. These stadiums are huge. It's one of the only sports that has multi-stadium facilities that are packed every time. Yep. So you think, all right, people love this. Now they don't discuss it, and then they don't play it. My theory is, is because it's so aesthetically pleasing to watch, and then you go and you cannot do anything that the pros can do, then you get pissed and you don't want to mention it. Yep. If you go out and you throw football, maybe after a week you can spiral one. You're like, oh, yeah, that's sick. I'm just like him. Sure. But in a week, there's no way you can serve like Isner and that you can't hit a backhand like Novak and a yeah. foreign like Fed. Um, so it's almost it's almost like an ego thing mm. where, okay, we cannot do this. Secretly, you love it. It's one of those aesthetically pleasing things. It's the gentleman's game. It's very similar to golf um, to where you have lots of people who absolutely love golf and they'll talk about it and whatnot because, you know, you can still get around your way and not being a physical athlete yeah, in yeah. golf. But you don't have this commitment to the game. Yeah. For tennis, you have to be committed. Sure. So then pickleball comes around and it's like an easier version of being able to be a tennis player. Pickleball players don't watch pickleball. They watch tennis yeah. and they play pickleball. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's true. true. I, I, right? get that. I get there. Yeah. As a tennis player, what do you think about the documentary? How do you think that's maybe changing tennis? If if anything, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so uh, uh, within tennis, uh, the 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 thing people loved is that okay, it's getting some attention, it's getting out there and whatnot. And then the thing people wanted more of is like the golf one. Apparently, is like crazy amount of drama, and the yeah. F one one was like super intense yeah. and whatnot. And then I think maybe they they sugarcoated the tennis one a little mm. bit um, because we know. There's some players out there who hate each other, but it's such a gentleman sport. And this was oh, this was what was interesting about the golf one is golf may, may be the most gentleman sport, but they managed to get stuff out of them that they didn't get in the tennis one. I I think it's great that they're doing it. I think it's a uh, uh, it, it it can only help. Uh, do 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 I think they could have they could have tackled the the mind of the audience a little bit better 
maybe appeal, like you get like those Maslow's hierarchy appeal yep, to yep. like that 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 first need that they need. Uh, I think probably they could have done a better job. They, they 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 geared it to the people who already like tennis, and oh, this is fun. I want to know a little while. I'm so glad they're doing a tennis thing. But if someone's just randomly scrolling through Netflix or maybe a friend is talking about it, I would love for them to be like, dude, Breakpoint is right. Or like whatever, Full Swing it was, yep, it was yep. the golf one. Yep. Dude, you got to watch Full Swing. You know, those guys, they hate each other, right? Yep. I, I, I want to see a little more of that, which is why Curious was so great for the game. Sure. And why even now, years after he's essentially stopped playing, hopefully he makes a comeback while he's still commentating. And I mean, great job. Yeah, he did yeah. an incredible job. job. I mean, like, he did a great job. Who would have thought he would be in the booth? <laughs> yeah. But McEnroe is probably the same way. Like, who would have ever thought just the way yeah. that he played yeah. that he'd be so good in the booth? But they both were. And they're extremely similar play. And, and that's the thing is, is you look both historically in the modern day, some of the most loved players of all time have been some of the nuts, yeah. nutbags. McEnroe, it, like, all right, go, go, go to 10 random people who don't understand much about tennis. Yo, name an old tennis player. Like, I don't know, Agassi. No, older. I don't know, McEnroe. That's like the only person they can name. Why? Because that guy had a distinct personality and whatnot. That guy had a, that, that guy had a flair that stuck around, and that's what people continue on to see. We, we, we could have gotten 100 tennis players from his era to be commentating in the box, but no, we got McEnroe. And I think that's one of the beauties of, of college tennis now is as kids are more involved in social media and they understand and good or bad thing we can discuss that sure. but one of the positive uh um uh consequences of that is kids are starting to understand personal brand so ethan last year he was kind of like the cool classy guy right but then you had liam draxel from kentucky who was this absolute nutbag like that guy was insane that guy would win sets and start doing push-ups and rip his shirt off but he understood that's who he was, right? And all of a sudden, you get these personalities and these kids who start getting a little smart enough to understand. It's like, all right, this is my brand. Uh, who was another guy? I think, uh, uh, um, oh, for, for example, this year, there's this guy named Jack Pennington Jones out of TCU. Just a, a small guy and he's quiet. He's like, a, he's like a super spy kind of thing. And you have J.J. Wolf big mullet he, like his his first sponsorship was with natty light the beer yeah like the most frat guy beer you can get because he know he knows and and those are the types of people that that like kind of excel throughout not just having support and and sponsors and funding and whatnot but it's the branding of being distinct of being unique understanding who you are and you accept and you play into that role i think as as college tennis especially in georgia uh I think we probably get the, some of the most attention in the country. It's cool to to see these guys try and develop, uh, you know, their personal brand. Uh, you know, it'll help with with NIL. It'll help with with crowd support. Like Phil was like this warrior, right? And Trent was like this macho captain. Blake is this layback. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like uh, I don't know, like you take the Goonies or like like these random like group stereotypical things. Uh, it's cool to see that people are almost reverting back to that. Instead of trying to be like this all-in-one jack of all trade, no, yeah. be okay with being you. Yeah, we have a lot of those right now. Just you think about American tennis, and that's kind of a question for you. Out of those guys, those American guys, four or five of them right now, they're yeah. kind of right there. Which one, if you had to bet, which one is going to be the one to win a major? Uh, probably Ben. Five years. Got to be Ben. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think so. Yeah, right. And and it, this this is a funny story. So I knew Ben when he was like eleven. I've known him for his whole life. Is that right? Uh, I beat Ben 6-0 the first time I played him. 
that was that your right. most proud moment? Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought this guy sucked. He was so bad when he was younger. I was like, Dan, like this guy's never going to make it. Uh, I thought when I was younger, I was like, you know what? I'm like 10 years old at a time. I'm like, yeah, the only person in my way is Brandon Nakashima because he was always nasty. Um, but the thing, the thing with Ben is, I mean, one, you can give, uh, uh, I'll give Fed too much credit here. Fed is my favorite player ever. Fed sees something in him. Okay. Give him an on-cloud deal. Everyone's supporting him. Tennis TV is going nuts. Like promoting this guy. Like just today it was like, oh, these great players at age 21, they put Fed, Novak, uh, Rafa. And then at the end of the slide, it's like Ben and everyone in the comments is like, dude, what is Ben doing on here? Like you guys love Ben. But I think this support is just feeding his his confidence and whatnot. And he's got a huge game. Like, he understands who he is. He's, he's that big athletic guy, puts the phone down, you know. And then that's that's what people love. Yeah. That uh, I can't remember who it was. He's a love me or hate me. You watch them. That's all you can do. Hmm. And that's that's what Ben is bringing to the game. He's bringing that Kyrgios aspect. Like, everyone loved watching Kyrgios just because you'd go and you'd watch it. And you'd, Dude, screw this guy. Let's go, Nick. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I I, th- I think Ben has a big potential. He is and he and only great things to say. About his dad is like the nicest human. His coach, right? Yeah, yeah. Coach, his dad coached coach, uh, Georgia Tech for a while. Brian Shelton. Yeah, yeah, and then he coached Florida. But that whole family is like the nicest family. In fact, I was there. Uh, I was like one of the only people in the in the stands. And this is bad. I shouldn't even be saying this here. He played <laughs> Isner, a bulldog. I'm like here we go, Ben, uh, at the Atlanta Open, just because he's one of my good friends. Yeah. Uh, and after the match, he came and talked to me and whatnot. And he was like, wait, hold on. You're going to Georgia, right? I'm like, yeah, dude, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, super nice guy. And, 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 and similar to, to what we were talking about before, that guy's personality, right? And so no, no, no matter if he wins a major or not, I mean, he'll, he'll be a successful tennis player just because, you know, he's got this aura about him. Uh, he's got this fan base. He's got a lot of people that, that, that's got his back. And, and that means something. Right. If it's very close and you're you're that guy, and then maybe you you start to believe it, even though it could not be true. Yeah, he's got the confidence for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned it. Your cost of tennis academy. Like, when did that kind of become like I'm going to do this? I'm going to commit to this because yeah. you clearly put a lot of time. If anybody is on Instagram right now and has, follows any tennis account, your videos have been fed to yeah. to everyone. So yeah. I think most people would know kind of who you are from that yeah so when did that start how did kind of what's your end goal for that if it's yeah. wildly successful one day what does that what yeah. does that look like so i've had uh i've had five knee surgeries mm. um and through all the injuries uh for some reason i can never stay off the tennis court so i've been on the wheelchair and crutches for months on end all tennis related injuries no, just uh, just a, I had something called osteochondritis discicans in my lateral femoral condyle, left knee. Essentially, my bone would like crack and rot away. Uh, nothing to do with tennis. Tennis helped uh, identify the problem earlier because of the pounding and whatnot. But if I didn't play tennis, by the time I'm 50, I also could not walk anymore. Mm. Um, so thank God for tennis in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the wheelchair, I was like two weeks out of surgery, leg up in the wheelchair. And I'm yelling at my parents or random people in the neighborhood and whatnot. And I love coaching. I love explaining things. I like, you know, getting the nitty gritty. I think I have a good understanding of how people think and I can read intentions relatively well. And so I like having this. All right. I know I grew up with a lot of tennis knowledge. I think I'm a good communicator enough to like teach people. So it's like, it's like the perfect storm that Lou said, but I can do it well in a teaching sense. And so when I got to college, uh, I'm feeling healthy. 
uh, now I got school and, and, and the team and whatnot, which will always be the first priority, sure. but I still love coaching. I still want to spread what I believe is, is a, a brand of coaching, a style of tennis that is not taught enough, which is not just tips. It's, it's what I like to say is I'm not here to be your coach. I'm here to help you become your own coach. Mm-hmm. If you can become your own coach, then I can be like Nanny McPhee and leave when you don't need me. That's my goal. Um, I get to college. I don't know. I can't, I can't coach. I don't have time. I'm like, all right, you know what? Randomly, you know, what if I made like videos and just like put them out for people to learn? And so I'm thinking like, all right, maybe this is an interesting idea. And the thing for me is I, the, the perfect storm part, like, all right, I, I can communicate well. I like it. Uh, this is something I think I'm good at. What, what if I make this something a little more than just uh, you know, like a random collection of things I can teach. All right. And then I think of the idea, all right, Costa Tennis Academy. Let's put my name on it. Uh, because I think, all right, uh, I coach in my neighborhood and some people were like, oh yeah, I like your little Costa. I don't, I don't think I came up with a name. I just, people kind of call me that. All right. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I like the entrepreneurial side of things. Let me, let me dedicate myself. Let me put something out there. So I did Post number one, January 22nd of last year, 21st. So I just ca- crossed the one-year mark. Yeah. And I go, listen, this is Costa Tennis Academy. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to teach you how to play tennis in a way that you can apply and understand uh, for free online. And because I put that out, all of a sudden, I made everyone who saw that my boss. Because if I just thought about it and it was just on my phone, then I wouldn't have any commitment to actually go yep. out and do it. Yep. So then I posted that first thing. I'm like, all right, shoot, I have to do it now. I have to go out and follow through with what I said, uh, which would be my advice for anyone wanting to do something. It is make other people know about it because then you become not accountable to yourself, but to others. Yeah, I experienced that with us. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally do. the exact same conversation. Literally, <laughs> yeah. People are like, you guys got you guys to record another episode. Like, you guys got to yeah, yeah. keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, uh, so I, I started putting out videos just uh, for fun. Just, uh, all right, this is something that I think could be useful. And so the first few, I just did like really like the stuff that I like, for example, one of my philosophies is no one really knows where to put a ball toss on a serve. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I like kind of figured it out. Uh, Just using physics, I'm going into surgery and I look at Vitruvian's man da Vinci. I'm like, all right, I know where to put the ball toss. (laughs) (laughs) It was a kind of weird moment. Um, And so I wanted to like give people like these answers that'll be like, oh, thank God. Finally, it's like, this is it. Right. And what I like to say is as an Instagram tennis coach, I can't be there with you to give you personal things. So I want to give you the, the, the foundations of, uh, of the physics behind tennis that will apply to everyone. Um, I want, like, I want to say things that, that will apply to you as it applies to my game, as it applies to a teammate. Cause I have some of my teammates watching my videos. I'm like, damn, that was good today. Yeah. That helped. (laughs) Dude, like you're a D1 college player. You're going to be watching this. Yeah. Um, but it's I like I like it to have this applicable base to everyone because people think it's like oh he doesn't coach to my style and whatnot blah, blah. like yeah that, that is very true and that's very important but if I just teach you the fundamentals and the foundation of the game that must be applied to everything it's like golf it's like all right uh, the the there is power created from the hips there is uh, momentum coming like the angle of the club these are all things that no matter how you play it right. will fake the ball yeah and that's what I kind of want to teach. My parents always grew up with the philosophy that you, you can do whatever you want to do. But if you commit yourself, I want you to try and be the best of that thing. Right. So then 
I was playing soccer and tennis at the same time and eventually just migrated just to tennis. Um, and they're like, all right, now that you're in tennis, let's find the best coach. We're going to dedicate as much, uh, as much of our time and money and energy as possible. Um, which now, I mean, I, like, I understand what that means a little bit more. Yeah. And at the time I was just like, Oh my God, I'm gonna have to do all these things. But, um, we found eventually after moving around and whatnot, I was with a coach. His name was coach. We, and he was like, go watch this kid named Nathan Ponwith play. He's really fast. Cause coach, we was all about speed and Nathan Ponwith. He played here at Georgia actually for a year or two, um, sec freshman of the year and then transferred to Arizona state. Uh, he was one, number one recruit in the country. And at the time, he's like 14. And we go watch Nathan Pond play. I'm like, wow, this kid's unreal. And my mom's thinking, who's his coach? Yeah. So we see Nathan's mom and, uh, hey, yeah, we want to know. No, Nathan's coach. He doesn't, he doesn't like coaching other people. It's just, he's just a family friend. And mom was like a little, hmm, she's trying to hide something. Yeah. So then uh, Pam Pond with super good friends with her now. She owns All About Tennis. It's one of the biggest tennis stores in the Southwest. Um and we keep pestering her coming in. We'll go and buy shoes. Yeah, you know about Nathan. How's he doing? And, whatnot. and how's this coach doing? And eventually, when my dad comes in one day, finally, she gives Lou Belkin's contact information. Mm-hmm. And Lou Belkin grew up with Manny in Puerto Rico. So before Manny and Lou, Lou, head coach of Arizona State for 26 years, uh, multiple Americans, Grand Slam champions, one of the legendary coaches, coach Team USA, junior olympics i think huh. uh a couple years ago there's this guy named welby van horn welby van horn uh was this coach out of puerto rico he had four courts and he only gave either one-on-one or private lessons and he had the number one 12 year old 14 year old number two 16 year old number one 18 year old in the country out of this random operation in puerto rico sure. and manny was one of them manny's a great player lou won the little league world series in baseball uh and uh started playing tennis when he was older but he loved he's a very academic guy business school and everything and so welby was the first person he hired lou as the first academy in the u.s so lou was essentially welby's little disciple and he opened i think it was in milwaukee and he still had this academy i think he stopped now but it was out of welby van horn there was manny diaz lou belkin and andy brandy who coached at lsu and the USTA, just three legendary American coaches, mm. all from this guy. So th- this is the root of the source. Uh, if you guys want to do some research on Welby Van Horn, that'd be an yeah, interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I started with Lou, and Lou was this old, mysterious guy. And before we ever had our first lesson, Lou sat us down. And he goes, I want everyone in the family to come to this Starbucks here. I'm like, all right. Like everyone, yeah, bring a sister too. And he sat us down and he goes, listen, if I'm going to coach you, we're going to go all in. The sister is going to have to wait to practice. She's going to get pissed sometimes. She's going to just be reading books. I want a parent there every single time because I'm an old guy. If I'm not here anymore, I want you to know what to do. Hmm. From an outside perspective, it's much easier to see what's happening on a tennis court. I want a parent to know so you don't just feed them random crap when he's in the third set and he wants some coaching and whatever. This is the perfect storm is what he said. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Right? This, this How old are you again at this point? I'm like nine. Nine, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and so we start with him and my Casa Tennis philosophy is based on Lou Belkin. Huh. Uh, the, way, the way he coached, uh, every movement has a purpose. 
I can name every step you could take on a tennis court. Uh, he, he, he would ask people, he's like, does perfect practice make perfect? I'm like, yeah, I guess. He's like, no, perfect practice makes perfect. Not just practice makes perfect. Mm. Perfect practice makes perfect. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. And it would be so intricate and so detailed and so uh, taking care of every single aspect on a tennis court. That was a Lou Belkin coaching philosophy. So I, th- I believe now that uh, I'm almost a better coach than player one because I started with Lou and I, I got this unbelievable understanding, old roots of the game, stuff that Manny will say now. And I'll chat with Manny and his, his, his memory will be jerked about the, the stuff that Welby would say. Be like, How do you know that? well i got lou right (laughs) um and so i think i have a a very intricate understanding of the game which to an advantage uh after moving around the whole world england chile arizona georgia now just 16 different houses uh i I know a lot of ways to play tennis and a lot of ways to not play tennis right so i think i have a a lot of tennis knowledge now the detriment is all right there's a lot of stuff in my head i can pickpocket or you know sometimes it's good to be dumb um but it helps me that my goal is to try and bring awareness to all these different tennis topics. I want to bring a new perspective to the game. I want to bring uh, a scientific approach that kind of gives you exactly why you're doing something. I'm not going to teach you. I'm just going to explain to you why that's happening. I like to say that awareness of a problem is halfway to its solution. So if you're aware of what's happening and you know, because one of the most common things in golf and tennis and whatever, it's, oh, why is this happening? Like, all right, if you can at least eliminate this question and you know why it's happening, there's no reason to get too angry anymore. It's just you go out and you work and you fix it. What are some tips to like when you're under pressure? Like, like, um, cause I feel like a lot of this, um, I actually played last night and like it was a rain out. We only had one set and I feel like all the guys just kind of came up, came out kind of tight. Like what, like what's your it, like feedback on like, like John being, being loose? the context that's missing here is this is our USDA first round of the playoffs. We're split two and two. Yeah. yeah. Got to have this line. Yeah. It go, we get, they split the first set and then it starts raining. Yeah. So they had to postpone and come back the next day. So like, this is a very important. Yeah. It's a thriller. No, no, set. no. Let's go. I, I think it's not even just the rain delay. I just think a lot of times this, you could wake up like one morning and you're just feeling tight. Like, how do you, uh, how do you like, yeah. is it, is it a breathing technique or like what, like, well, like give me, uh, so, uh, uh an- another part of, uh, of, uh, of how I grew up is I like studying uh, like performance psychology. And this is from when I was like 13. Um, the most impactful thing to me uh, was something called the chimp paradox, which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the inner game of tennis. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous mental tennis books. They were written around similar time. They didn't know each other, but they completely confirm one another. Mm-hmm. The chimp paradox is nothing to do with tennis, everything to do with life. And uh, the inner game of tennis is the opposite. So in in your mind, I'll, I'll keep it very simple. There's the most important thing to understand is that there's two independent thinking machines inside your head. There is not just one you and one brain and one uh, uh, line of thought. When you get angry and you do things out of anger or out of emotion, and then you immediately regret that, that wasn't you acting. You're like, dude, I don't know why I did that. Like, yeah, it makes sense. If if everyone in the world is saying, oh, I don't know why I did things when you're angry or stressed or nervous or, you know, you attach an emotion behind it, there must be some sort of reasoning underlying that. It's not just it's not just you uh, as an incompetent individual beating up on yourself and doing things that you should. You know what you should do. 
So the chimp paradox, like the inner game of tennis, teaches that there are two machines in your head that can think for you. You can make emotional decisions that aren't yourself. Uh, you can make rational decisions that are yourself. Uh, we're here just having a conversation and we'll, we're, we're not going to do anything out of the ordinary. We're not emotional. We're, we're going to say things that, that we mean. And, but if all of a sudden I, I pull, pull in a gun to your head, you, 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 I don't know what you're going to do. You could do whatever you want. Maybe you, 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 you could take the gun and shoot him because maybe you thought you were in on him, right? <laughs> but, 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 but it's that emotional decision that we don't understand. And it's similar, that similar feeling that we have on a tennis court. Let's say it's a deuce point at four all. You got rained out and it's the third set. Uh, you'll make a decision. You're like, ah, oh, why did I do that? Why my second serve serving volleying to his forehand on a deuce point? My whole team is watching there. And then you feel almost uh, degraded or stupid because you made a bad decision. And then you put on the extra pressure and whatnot. The most important thing to understand, awareness is halfway to a solution. If you're aware that there is a part of your mind that can think for you, make independent decisions for you, and is not you, it is part of you, then you'll you'll have a little bit more understanding of like, all right, what Djokovic said, there was a, a bunch of reels that came out of him. It's like, I understand when my mind wanders and I tell it to come back mm. centered. Yeah, It's not as though his entire being went away. His mind wandered. It is separate. He, he manages to separate his thinking and his emotions from himself because they are separate. Uh, there's two independent. There's self one and self two, as, as said in the inner game of tennis. And there's the chimp and the human, as said in the chimp paradox. The chimp is, uh, or the self two, is the, the irrational. All emotions come from it. Uh, it's the limbic system in, the, in your brain uh, in, in an overly simplified term. I don't want a, a psychologist here that doesn't get mad. Um, <laughs> And, and then there's the frontal lobe or the, you know, the front part of your brain that is your rational thought. Uh, that's what humans have, you know, as, as this beautiful thing. We have, we have a consciousness and a rationality. But that does mean that we have two lines of thinking. So then let's say, okay, we get rained out. It's a third set and whatever, and you're nervous. Those nerves are not you. They are part of you. They are part of the emotions that are coming out of your brain because we all have this fight, flight, or freeze, Right. Uh, we all experience emotions first and stronger and then rationality. It's five times stronger, five times faster. If an emotional or, or if a if a strongly emotionally reactive event happens, we will always react react emotionally first. The our strongest memories are emotional memories because they're more powerful. Okay, so you can't fight your emotions because they're faster and more powerful. You have to manage them. And there's three key ways essentially that I've learned. It's one, you can bombard yourself with facts. Let's say you're gonna go out and play tennis or you're going to go out and give a speech or you're going to go out and do a play. You can soothe your emotional mind or your chimp or yourself too with, all right, if I lose this tennis match, am I going to go home? Am I, will, my, uh, will my kids still love me? Yes. Will I have dinner tonight? Yes. Uh, is, is my team going to hate me forever? No. All right. Listen, it's not that big of a deal. You can give it a banana. This is funny. This is a, uh, uh, one of my best friends is Ethan Quinn who won the NCAAs last year and he'll still text me. I'll be like, uh, Felipe, your, your chimp won me the match today. He goes I'm like, all right, explain Ethan. And he'll be like, listen, I, I, I fed my emotional mind a banana. I gave it a distraction. Uh, let's say I want to do a piece of homework and I'm like pissed off. I don't want to do it. Well, all right, listen, Felipe, if you do this piece of homework, you can go out and go and run, look at your phone, go get the snack, whatever, blah. And so your chimp is like, all right, do, am, I, am I pissed off because I need to do the homework or am I happy because I need to get the reward? I'm not sure. Let me just go to sleep. 
it, it, you, you can manage your emotional mind. It's like a little pet. Um, very, very difficult to do because it's a very strong and fast pet. Yeah. It's easy to sit here and talk about it, but uh, you'll probably see me at some point during the season get angry on the tennis court. But I will understand that those points would be f- or are far and less frequent because I have a, a little bit more of an understanding of what's going on, which is what I'm trying to tell some of the younger guys now. I'm trying to teach them a little more of that. Uh, bombard with facts to soothe your chimp. Give it a banana. Essentially, give it a distraction. And this is one of the most useful ones on the tennis court is control what you can control. Your your emotional mind. No one likes being out of control of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you you put your primary focus, and that's a decision you can make, on things that are completely soothing and under your control, which is why people love breathing techniques. The only person in the world that control your breathing is you. So not only is it something under your control, it is exclusively under your control no matter what. So then you're, you're, you're calmed just by the thought of this, of this awareness and this control of like, oh, oh yeah, I, I could stay. I'm never going to get this incorrect. Yeah. You're not going to breathe wrong. But people think, oh, I need to control my intentions on the test. No, dude, give that control away, right? Control your controllables. People think, let me control as much stuff as possible and then I'll be a better test. No, no. Give it away and literally focus on, all right, something that has been helping me is see the ball. I'm not going to get it wrong. I'm not going to shift my gaze. And if I do, then that's an easy fit. I'm like, hey, refocus, laser and ball. That is one incredible way to deal with nerves because then your goal then becomes you distract your chimp and you give it a banana. Your goal becomes, let me look at the ball. Let me breathe. Let me, and you, you give like these unbelievably basic controls. And then the third one, which is very difficult, is you let it out in the jungle and you just let everything loose and your chimp will eventually, your emotions will eventually calm down. Uh, now the tough thing about that is if you reinforce bad, if you break a racket, you're going to feel guilty and your teammates are going to be there and watch and they're going to look bad at you and you can sense that and then it's a downward smile. But if maybe you like yell into your towel or something and it's not, it's something that doesn't affect you negatively. Okay. Then you let it, your chimp out in the jungle or yourself too is now calmed down or your emotional mind is under control. You can take a million different examples from different books, speeches, or it doesn't matter who you listen to. Yeah. They all confirm themselves. Uh, bombard with facts, give it a banana or let it out in the jungle. The jungle one's tricky because you can get yourself in a snowball of negativity. Right. Yeah. That, that's really, that's, that's a great answer. Um, I, you mentioned one person's name when you were um, just talking about that. And I, I had a question around that. So last year, I guess, I think it was your first year on the team. Yeah. You guys were SEC champions. Yeah. And um, just what stood out to you the most that season? And what, what did you learn from guys like Phil, Trent, and Ethan? Yeah. Um, man, uh, what Manny likes to say a lot is he says the best Bulldogs he's ever had. And Manny's had a lot of them is he, 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 he said, I sat down one day and I was trying to figure out what is the similarity between all the best people are is they are detached from tennis. Uh, you take Matthias Boker or Ethan Quinn or, uh, Michael Pernforce, these like legends of the game. Uh, they are their own people. Uh, uh, in, in the UGA golf locker room, it said, uh, do, um, do, do not let your golf affect your mood. Allow your mood to affect your golf. Okay. Um, and, and, and he said that that is one of the most important things to where if you have a bad match or a bad loss and whatnot, and all of a sudden you have this spiral of 
emotions and you're allowing too many things to come into your mind, you're, you're, you're not going to have this rationality of understanding, all right, this one I need to get better. You don't have a macro perspective on, 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 on how your game works. Um, that was with such a legendary team and so much experience last year. That was one of the big things I learned is it's okay for me as a tennis player and as an individual sport growing up in that all the time. I don't need to be just that. I got lucky with my knee. I'll say the knee is the best thing that ever happened to me, all my five surgeries, because I'm, I had to learn to detach myself from tennis for a couple of years. It was three and a half years between wins for me. Mm. The last one I had was uh, 2019 in Kalamazoo, which is a big American tournament. And then I, the next one is like last year at a, at a fall tournament. Three and a half years in which I wasn't a tennis player. So I, 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 I learned that a little bit more, but it's easy to get in the habit once you're on the court. Um, no, big, big uh, uh, lesson. Another huge important lesson is when you're just a tennis player growing up and you're alone and whatnot, it is, it is the, the different requirements and the value of a team. So one of the huge requirements for a team uh, is that your role and your job often differs to what is best for you. So maybe what is best for you after losing a hard match is you go and you take time and whatever and you run away and you calm yourself down. The requirement of a team is not that. Phil was unbelievably good at this. Phil would maybe lose a heartbreaker and whatnot. And the last thing he wanted to do was come give me a high five. But he, he, he and you could see it in his face. Like, you, mm, you just come give me a high five and like try his best to calm down. And all of a sudden, you look at him and like, damn, respect to that guy. That guy just lost a battle. And he's immediately screaming for Ethan on court one. And, and understanding that sometimes your desires and your requirements are very different to what the team needs. Um, and that goes a lot with people management. So if you can manage not only yourself, but others, Phil didn't just do a great job in, in, in being uh, gracious in defeat for himself as, you know, a sense of pride or something, but that he probably consciously knew that it helped the team as well. It was almost a selfish feeling that he could have had. It's like, dude, if I know if I do this, it'll be good for the team. He's managing the team, understanding that he's building trust and relationships through his good deeds. Mm. And that's, that, that, that is one of the hardest things about being in a team is, is sometimes you want to defend yourself, right? Some of the freshmen this year, they get in arguments and they'll just keep going back and forth. I'm like, hey, tell him you love him. I'm like, but <laughs> I don't want to do that. Because in life, that's not, if you get in an argument in a grocery store or whatever, you will defend yourself and the people closest to you will be proud and whatnot. But if you get in an argument with the people closest to you, mm. and then that's where you got to manage people. Uh, huge, huge lesson from last year. Um, and then I would say the third big lesson is uh, they didn't, they didn't take it that seriously. So, I mean, we go to practice, practice is fun. It was, it was, uh, I mean, you watch Blake Reuter play and it's like, dude, this guy's not even trying. But he's so focused and he's maybe, he, he's one of the most passionate Bulldogs of all time. But it was as though he could, he could relax and he knew that he wasn't going to place an unnecessary burden on himself. And now the power of that is you can place the burden of wearing a G as a heavier weight on you. Or you could have so much trust in the people around you knowing that your coaches love you no matter what. Your team is always going to be there for you. No matter if you win or lose, no matter if you play well or not, you're going to give your best and that's all we asked for and that's what we know we're going to do so then instead of having a, a burden of playing for such an incredible program you're uplifted because you know that all of a sudden with time and that's the only thing time can do is even the alumni watching up there it could be a huge weight and this is something that i'm also trying to learn is that they're only there to support you as well yeah. instead of a weight of having everyone watching there supporting yeah. you it uplifts you 
they managed to receive that after four and a half years of being together. And now this is the, the, the that's that's kind of the biggest thing that this team I know will be great when they figure that out. Um, I know we're wrapping up here. I'm running out of time. Um, but I just had, I have to cover this because my wife will yeah. be upset if I don't. But we, <laughs> and we talked about it to be, uh, before we started recording. But, um, just to kind of lead off, I'd love to hear, like, what does it mean? Like, this is one of your questions. What does it mean to play for the G? Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an alumni here. I love it. We Let's up, go. We come up, we come up here as, as much as possible. Yeah. Go to basketball, tennis, football games. Yeah. But, um, as I shared, um, I went to the Georgia-Tennessee uh, match with my wife. It was actually my birthday that weekend. And um, can you kind of just talk about that Georgia-Tennessee match in 2023, how electric it was, like yeah. the crowd. Um, I explained it to people, and you could, I could be wrong, but it felt like the equivalent of a half-court shot in basketball or like a, uh, a Hail Mary and... The, and just talk about the way it ended because it ended like it was it was a test. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. The 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 Georgia Tennessee match of last season, if anyone doesn't know, may have been the greatest college match of all time. Uh, I've never been more nervous in my entire life. Uh, normally, the way college tennis works is you go doubles, you go three doubles first, and then six singles. And normally, the doubles exciting, everyone's together, and you know people love watching doubles, especially if you don't really know tennis. It's just fun. But that was one of the first matches where the match started at 100 and went to 200 as the match went on. Normally, you go doubles and then it kind of dips down. Some exciting moments and singles and people leave. Um, thankfully, the Bulldog fans are like the greatest fans in the country and they, they usually stick around for the whole thing. But the Tennessee match was, I mean, we were down four, four match points in doubles. So to lose the doubles point and, and Blake and BJ at court three somehow managed to clinch that we come back in and we're like yeah we're fired up or we, we won doubles but we're still like everyone it's it, it's it's as though like everyone is like buzzed off of their mind and they're like their eyes are like in every direction just like in the locker room we're like because because we hate tennessee and uh we we, we go out to singles and it's a battle and when I, and it's only closer and closer we're we're seven team match points down on multiple courts uh it was crazy we yeah f- f- phil is serving i think five six or four five fifteen forty uh three match points down on court two trent was like five four thirty forty on court three um uh everyone else is like in an absolute battle uh jomo johannes monday on one chopped up ethan which was like it was almost a hit for us it's like dude we have ethan quinn and like, this guy's getting waxed by joe and so we didn't know what to do but uh, norm normally so so uh, last year I, uh, I didn't get a chance to play um, uh, due to injury and just because we had an unbelievable team I wouldn't have played if I was healthy. Uh, but I was usually there just firing up the crowd and whatnot. Blah, blah, and I didn't need, I didn't need to do a thing. There were there were uh, we 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 call them the spike squad. It's like the guys that sit front row at all the football games were there, and they're going nuts on court two for Phil. We had like the huge like uh, a group of alumni there, and they're all on the top, and they're just going nuts for everyone in the pit and everything. And it was as though it was like a war. And the closer the match went on, the more that the people on court that Trent and his entire uh, you know, there's 500 fans behind his court on on court three. He wins a second, and all of a sudden, it's it's Blaze Bicknell from Tennessee against Trent and his army, 
And so we're, we're, we're getting fired up. And, and that crowd was arguably one of the greatest crowds ever because they did so much to help us get through the match in terms of like they were absolutely firing away and they're getting close and they're chirping and they're saying absurd. Multiple people got kicked out. Uh, and it was, and, and, and the feeling of that, and, and that goes to your first question is once you go through a moment like that, you understand what playing for the G means. And then you're like, dude, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, like I, I think that, that MD could be like the greatest college coach of all time. I think that Georgia could be one of the greatest tennis schools of all time. You you take uh obviously USC being essentially the winningest school. You take some of the winningest. All right, you go Stanford, USC, UCLA. All right, beautiful areas, California. Growing up throughout you know the 60s, 70s, that place is no better place in the world to be. But then you get out of the blue a public school in the middle of Georgia, Athens, Georgia. No one has ever heard of it. And Manny and Dan McGill managed to build this up into one of the biggest tennis empires of all time. Yeah. And, and there's intricacies behind that. Recruiting for a public school is much harder than, than private schools like TCU or, or, or some other stuff out West. Uh, in a place that is a lot less desirable, that people don't know of, it's just a football school. Yeah. Uh, historically, now, now we've gotten unbelievable academics. But historically, I don't know if Georgia academics was anything near Stanford. Um, and somehow we managed to build this random town in Georgia into one of the greatest tennis empires of all time. You go into the trophy room, it's the most absurd thing you've ever seen. Manny's been here for like 42 years and we have 42 SECs. Like that doesn't happen. Um, and so you, you, you realize it when you come in, it's a scary and it's this weight and it's like, dude, I don't even deserve to be here. Like, uh, I don't know how, how much longer Manny has here at Georgia, but I, I'm still trying to get around the fact that like if, if Manny leaves and I'm still here, I'm a, like, dude, who am I to be on Manny's last team? Yeah. Like, we, we should have fed Novak Alcaraz. And, like, they deserve to be on Manny. I don't know who I am, but there, there, there's, this so, there's so much support. And it's, it's something that I'm, uh, that I'm picking up on. And it's one of the huge lessons of last year that it's like, everyone goes through that. It's like, who am I to be here? But then you have all these alumni and these, these older captains, these teammates and the coaches. And what, it's like, no, you're exactly where you need to be. And and you get this unbelievable sense of confidence and you get this sense of pride. And so I, I was at Arizona State for a year and we would have team meetings, multiple team meetings about, guys, look at Georgia. They wear their G better than any other school in the country. Mm-hmm. No one takes more pride in wearing a logo than Georgia. I'm like, shoot, I need to go there. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's one of the reasons I left. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was uh, we're talking to USC. We're playing them indoors last year. And uh, his name is uh, Brad Fry, an unbelievable player from USC. He was like, oh, yeah, I mean, USC's top five, top 10 in the country. Like, yeah, I mean, dude, we wish it could be you guys. Huh. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm pretty sure they beat us once last year. I'm not even, I can't remember, but it was very close. Like, dude, we need to be playing well mm. to win. You guys don't need to play well. You, somehow, you're Georgia. There's a, there's a weight and a name behind being Georgia. And, and, and that, to me, uh, I've had meetings with the coaches and the players and whatnot. I understand I'm not going to be the guy on court one winning every single match. I'm not going to go out there and play most matches. Um, I'm hoping my time is coming soon. I've been playing well and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, uh, my heart is developing these guys into the best men they can be, the best teammates they can be, and building them up to be some of the best Bulldogs of all time. That's that, that, that's where my purpose is. Um, and And I wouldn't do that for anyone else. So or anything else besides the G. It's a pretty solid rallying cry there. I'm all, I'm fired up. I want to go play and compete right now. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We yeah, really appreciate, yeah, it. Really appreciate um, it. I I just want to encourage everybody to follow the lead bay at 
at Felipe Z Costa and at Costa Tennis Academy on Instagram. Um, yeah. yeah, how else can we help you? We appreciate you giving us some time. What was the best way for us? Oh, to no. Uh, uh, g- give you guys a follow. Uh, yeah. Drop shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. drop shot pod. Yeah, yeah drop shot follow. pod. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, you, you guys have been awesome. Thanks for coming up here. Yeah, yeah. Us in person. This yeah, and fun. like, I can't believe we get to do it in Pod's office of all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is, kind of worked out pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah, so. yeah. this is great. Yeah, yeah. awesome. But, but thank you guys for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah.